This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where... Anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I started learning how to do my makeup. I stopped booking makeup artists. I started getting my makeup collection up. My followers kept asking me, like, why am I about to give this company all this attention? I'm just going to come out with my own products. Welcome to Idea Generation's All Angles, a podcast about culture's most influential brands and the teams that built them. If you're an entrepreneur, creative, or anyone interested in harnessing the power of collaboration, join me, Noah Callahan Bever, each week as we dissect the most dynamic companies in culture. Because the only way to truly understand success is to look at it from all angles. Idea Generation's All Angles is a Will Packer Media podcast. In 2017, Raynell Stewart, more commonly known by her social handle, Supercent, launched the Crayon Case, a cosmetic kit for amateur makeup artists featuring bright, playful colors. In the ensuing five years, the Crayon Case would explode into a $50 million business thanks to their confluence of innovative marketing approach, their vocal and hilarious founder, 
and a rock-solid team of crafty individuals with unique professional experiences, including a partner who worked for the illustrious New Orleans label, No Limit Records. But as with any company that enjoys rapid growth, mistakes were made, lessons were learned, and the crayon case would be forced to navigate uncharted waters. On this week's episode of All Angles, we talked to founder Superset, business manager Russell Baker, and marketing director Iona Norris to hear how together they built one of the hottest makeup brands on the market. But before any of that happened, before the multi-million dollar Cyber Mondays, or a spot on Oprah's favorite things, Supercent was just a young content creator in New Orleans trying to figure out how to code her MySpace theme. What drew me to social media early was Hurricane Katrina. When Hurricane Katrina happened, we had to keep in touch with our friends and our family. When MySpace came out, that's how we kept up with our best friends. And I was able to see who was alive from Katrina, you know? And then the next thing was Facebook. They had statuses. So that's why I was more informative about my feelings and what's going on and how I feel about this and my opinions about relationships and life. Many of us took for granted Facebook's simple prompt to let the world know what we were doing. But for Supa, this created a new level of self-awareness and inspired her to express herself on the internet in a way that she hadn't before. Facebook really pushed me out there when it came to talking about me. Social media kind of pushed me out there into the world so fast. I was a very open, real straightforward person. All my friends around me was doing funny ass skits. They was being super funny, going out their way to be weird. And I was just at work, housekeeper, and just showing them how I felt about something. And I guess they thought that was funny. Super started to build a fun, organic, and loyal following on her socials by letting her followers into her everyday life. As her fan base started to scale, she realized there was an opportunity to productize her personality and offer something tangible to her audience. So she opted for something close to her heart, New Orleans bounce music. Me being on social media, a lot of people did not know about different cultures, our music. I didn't think bounce music was for New Orleans. I thought it was for the whole world, but then me getting on social media, I'm like, okay, so it's just New Orleans shit. And they was like, what you listening to? Like, why y'all change that song? Why that song sound like that? And I'm like, this is called Bounce Music. So I started telling them where to find it at because they couldn't really find it on iTunes. They had to get it off of YouTube. But they was like, we want to hear this to it in our car. So I'm like, well, let me see if I can come out with some CDs and sell it to them because I couldn't do it online. Like, I couldn't put it on iTunes. And that's what I did. I started burning some CDs and I sipped it to them and they just got entered into a whole different culture and they loved it. Supa's burnt CDs were a hit. She was moving units and she could barely keep up with demand. Supa had gone into the business expecting to sell a couple hundred, and within weeks, she had orders in the thousands. So my CDs were $7, and I got them printed, everything. I got my bounce playlist printed. I got all that printed. Then I had to buy the yellow packages from Walmart. Then I had to buy paper to write the address on, tape to tape it, and then stamp to ship it. Like, it was so much. And I didn't realize how much it would be because that was my first time actually doing e-commerce, right? I was supposed to incorporate the website price. I was supposed to incorporate so many prices that I didn't. So I think I made 14000 but I probably spent probably like twenty, probably twenty-five. It was just reckless and crazy. I don't know what I was doing, but it was a great thing to do because a lot of people got the CD. I didn't think the CD was going to sell that fast, but it sold out so fast. And I was happy about that. 
Supa's venture into hawking CDs wasn't necessarily a success financially, but the lessons she learned in fulfillment and customer service would pay dividends down the line. As her social media following scaled, Supa continued to ideate on how to capitalize on her magnetic persona. For her next venture, she would utilize a popular catchphrase from her handle. Known for liberally blocking detractors, Supa's slogan, I block hoes, became a rallying cry within her comments section. Now equipped with an entrepreneurial eye, she knew it could be more than just a hashtag. It could be a brand. So what did she do next? Of course, she put it on a t-shirt. So I block hoes came down because I was very known for blocking people on social media, still am. I just cannot tolerate disrespecting from somebody I can't see, don't know, never heard of. It just don't make sense to me to allow them to be on my page and you got so much animosity towards me and I can't even see you. I don't know you so block, right? But the blocking came from a way deeper meaning. I've been blocking people since the house phone. So the term came about with people saying, oh, why you block me? Because bitch, I block old. And then people say, like, oh, you gotta put that on a shirt. People used to tell me, uh, I don't think a curse word on a shirt is gonna sell. I'm like, hoes? I'm like, technically it's not really a curse word. Well, you know, so I just made it work. I started getting the shirts printed. I found my supplier in New Orleans, got my shirt printed, and I started incorporating every price, every price. I even incorporated gas one time. I'm like, okay, I'm just being petty. So I had to go pick up the shirts right after he made them. So it came with my website. I got my website done. I, I put so much effort into that business. I think I was just trying to be better than the, the CD, right? And it was perfect. I'm doing all this in my house, all this in my living room. I probably had some of my friends come over every now and then, but I did all this myself. I didn't even have a label printer still. I didn't know about a label printer until way later on. It made my life so much easier, oh my God. And I was having fun with it. I think I was shipping like maybe 30 orders a day. And I was in heaven, I'm like, this is a lot of orders, you know. The thing is, it was so many orders at the time, but for me, it wasn't that many orders because I, I did the whole day to do that. So it was really nothing. But at that time, it was a great amount of orders. I was in a better headspace. I was able to pay rent in beforehand and not have to wait for it and have to find out when rent coming. I was able to pay it off quickly. And I was able to do a lot of stuff that I wasn't able to do in my other years, you know. So I felt like that was a great start. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the Ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? 
All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star starting May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The iBlock host tees were a massive success. Super had figured out how to tap into her fan base, create a fun, desirable product, and deliver it without issue. It was a blueprint that could be repeated. And her potential was not lost on those in the local scene either. One person in particular who took note was Russell Baker, a former artist manager who worked with Mac and C. Murder from Masterpiece legendary label, No Limit Records. I was introduced to Super in late 2015. A mutual friend of ours was saying, man, you need, to, you need to check this chick out. She is so hilarious. I think she'd be a good client for you to manage. And at that time, I had taken a hiatus on managing talent. And I, I told her no. <laughs> I told him no, and then I told her no, just because I was I was kind of burnt out on a business. I started off with a friend of mine who was signed to No Limit Records, McKinley Phipps, now known as Mac Phipps. I started with him in 99, 2000. And then he was unfortunately incarcerated for a crime he didn't commit. And then I assisted C with his label and that mutual friend that introduced Super and I with running his label and managing him. And then he was arrested. So at that time I was like, you know what, uh, maybe this is not for me. And so after a while, I just kept watching her. And as I was watching her, I said, man, she is so talented. She has natural comedic talent. No matter what she touches, she has that, what you call the it factor, she has it. She put her mind to it, it's gonna strike. She was starting to sell mixtapes. She she always loved music, so she'll sell mixtapes. That was a crazy time now because I'm the closest thing that you will get to an attorney that doesn't have a law degree. 
So a little while I'm sitting, I'm like, man, okay, we're infringing on these people's copyrights. They're gonna come after us at some time. She made $10,000 off the first rip. The first day she released, she made $10,000. At that point, I'm not fully full-time with her yet. Again, my managing style is different than most. When I manage someone, I have a personal relationship with that person. So I was always just observing, making sure that she was straight, making sure that she was okay. Just an advisory role, just someone to talk to on a daily basis. As Superstar continued to rise and social media evolved into a 24-7 medium, Super started using live features to broadcast her life. Super would stay on Periscope and later Instagram Live for hours every day, even going live during her daily chores and most mundane moments. Before Instagram Live, before Facebook Live, it was Periscope. So that's when I was on Periscope all the time. They even made me a damn hashtag for Periscope is crazy. I kind of showed everything. I would bring my son to school in the morning, I was on live. Pick my son up from school, I was on live. And that's how people really was able to see my son grow. Because I literally recorded this guy whole life since he'd been born, right? So now he loved to see what he was thinking about and what he was saying when he was two, when he was three, when he was four, right? They see me go and pick up the shirts. They see me having a problem with the shirts. I used to ask them, like, what should I pull off of Valentine's Day? And they was telling me, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna put this out. I, I was getting my mock-ups, I'm showing them mock-ups. I started paying for more people to help. I paid for graphic design. It was just like those two years on my fast, but it was so important to me because I actually learned the molding of business from our black hole. As her follower count rose from the thousands to the hundreds of thousands, and she grew from a local celebrity to a national star, Super started getting booked for IRL appearances across the country. It was during these travels that Super would find herself with a need, a need that would spark her next entrepreneurial endeavor. I was getting booked a lot. So that's when I kind of got into the makeup. I was getting booked so much, it was very hard to find somebody in every state to do my makeup. I learned how to do my makeup from being on live so much. And I'm doing my makeup and they watching me mess my face up. They thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. And so eventually I started getting it right. And I'm like, oh, oh your brows look so much better today. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> like, oh, you know, oh, your contour look way better today. I'm like, thank you. You know, so I started being, okay, well, let me keep being on live so to see the process and the progress, right? I started learning how to do my makeup. I stopped booking makeup artists. I started getting my makeup collection up. My followers kept acting like, why am I to give this company all this attention? I'm just going to come out with my own stuff. The idea for the crayon case was boom. Super wanted to do her own makeup, and she wanted to do it her own way. And that meant with her own unique color palette and straight up, the market was bare when it came to the bold and bright colors she was looking for. So she took matters into her own hands and started the arduous process of fabricating a line of makeup that she so desperately needed. My first two things was brow gel and highlighter. That was it. I feel like I could sell that forever. In my mind at the time, I was gonna make a good $20,000 off that and I was gonna be happy. So that's all I wanted to come out with. And then when they was like, well, when you put on your brows, what brush do you use? I'm like, oh, that's true, right? So that's when I said, okay, I'll get a brush. By the time it released, I came out with seven products. The eyebrow gel, the eyeshadow, the cream, the lashes, just stuff that needed to go with the eye, basically. That's all I came out with. I dropped on June 1st, 2017. I made $33,000. And that was the most I ever made in one day. And I was so shocked about that because I'm like, damn, if I can make money like this for the rest of my life, I'm going to be happy, right? 
2017 it was so big for me because i never made that much money in one day before i had to learn how to put money back into the brand too like look don't go spend that money on a trip you have to put the money directly back into the brand that's what i did so when i made a 30 dollars i didn't spend it i just kept it and bought more product I realized everything you have in stock doesn't have to be the same count. I had to learn if one palette is selling better than the other, you should only get 10,000 of the palette that's selling better than the other. The other palette, you probably only need 5,000. You may only probably need 2,500 because it's selling to it. I learned all that in the crown case. So that was a big thing for me about June 1st of 2017 because I realized I'm about to spend all this money on all these products at the same time when I don't need all these products. And that was important to me because that's how, still how I'm doing it. Like, if this is not selling to one, I got a lot of these in the warehouse, there's no need for me to re-up on this. I need to put this money into a different product. The crayon case was a hit. The product was innovative. Supa's personality did the marketing for her. And her followers quickly converted into diehard consumers. So as the brand flourished, Supa and Russell looked to family to help build out the company's infrastructure. My very first hire was all family. And I only picked the family who I had to go get from another job. And I never picked the family member who didn't have a job, needed a job. Everybody I picked was at certain jobs for years. Because I felt like if they kept that job for all them years, they'll keep mine. All management, everyone that worked at the Crown Case built family of friends. As we grew, we started taking resumes. And even as we started taking resumes, we interviewed collectively as a whole, as a team. It never were individuals. It was everyone from the management team. You had your different departments where her sister Raven ran the customer service department. Her aunt T ran the packing department. Her cousin Jason ran the warehouse as a whole. Her cousin Brandy ran human resources. And I was just the overseer of all of it. The crayon case's overnight success forced Super to learn how to build a company on the fly. Once living paycheck to paycheck, within a year, Super found herself at the helm of a multi-million dollar corporation. She needed a plan for the future of the business and also for the future of herself. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. 
All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star starting May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Once the current case started, I definitely started thinking more about the future. And again, I was never a future person. I was always, I'm going to live in a moment, I'm going to enjoy it, and that's it. I never saved money. If I did save money, it was only because of what was doing it. That was it. Like, that was my lifestyle before the crunkies. I just felt like if I die, I can't keep nothing anyway. That's how I felt. But once the crunkies started, it really grew me up into an entrepreneur and it grew me up to a way more strategized woman. So I felt like, okay, if this business is going to be around for plenty of years, I need to do something to make it stay around for plenty of years. So that's what made me think more about the future. Like I had to scale my business. I had to hire the right people. I had to fire the right people. I had to do so much. Like I didn't just want to keep doing warehouse work. I even thought about me doing drop shipping. I wanted to get in stores. Like it was a lot that I had to do. I had to pay attention to the business for me to get further and, and not just be on a social media business. I wanted people to know about the current case without knowing me. That was real big for me. This past two years, I tried to detach myself from the current things because if something happened to me, I don't want it to reflect on my business. It was no more me just speaking my mind on celebrities no more because I didn't know who I was going to run into and need partnership with. That's when I started thinking about long term. Like, let me not talk about these people anymore because I may need them for a campaign. I may need them to help me with something, right? And that's when I started building my heaviest relationships with all different entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, all these people I probably would have talked about in 2015 Super, but I didn't because I wanted my business to stay intact. As the company scaled its consumer base, Super Social Network of DIY makeup artists became an army of brand ambassadors in real life. 
Seeing the opportunity to use other people's platforms to help market her products, Super brought in social media strategist Iona Norris to help spearhead the content. We sent them a huge box of products. They got everything. No brand has ever just sent them everything in their warehouse. So they would get this huge box and they would push videos and lives for us and we would just use their content on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok for five years right now. I like to be relatable to a brand. Like when I see Super, I'm like, okay, I've been through that, I could do that. And you get to know the brand. She's very open and no other brand is really open. She's relatable. We don't get to know too many brands behind the scenes. Very transparent. So that's what draws me to the brand. And she's herself, you know? She could be herself and, you know, be a millionaire, a business owner. And that's why people gravitate to the brand. And then on top of that, I mean, it's catchy. The crayon, you get to have fun. Her uh, slogan is coloring outside the lines. That's always fun. With an army of micro-influencers behind the brand, it wasn't long until the crayon case started picking up national attention. As the orders continued to roll in, it was obvious that this was bigger than burnt CDs, t-shirts, or any of Supa's previous endeavors. In no time, the crayon case was doing numbers like 97 No Limit. Those numbers were undeniable. So, like I told you, for the first six months, I was like, it's, it's her thing, let us see the go-go. I think it was March of 2018 is when I really opened my eyes. I looked at the numbers and I looked at the numbers and said, this is dumb numbers. I managed my friend, Mac Phipps at No Limit, and those numbers were dumb for 98, 1998, 99, things that they did there. To do what she was doing and for it to be 100% e-commerce, it was crazy numbers because the stuff was just flying off the shelves, flying off the shelves. We're averaging 800,000 a month, averaging. That was just ridiculous. And so, yeah, I was like, yeah, we, we may be on or something here. The team was firing on all cylinders and it all came to a head on their 2019 Cyber Monday launch. The crayon case did $1 million sales in just 90 minutes. It was ridiculous. It was surreal because, again, like I say, we had been making eight hundred, nine hundred thousand a month, but to make it in ninety minutes, it was like crazy, you know. But I don't know if Super told you I was pissed because we sold out. Because I'm like, damn, we could have made two million. So <laughs> I'm always looking at numbers, you know. It was a very unusual but pleasing feeling to see that accomplishment, and then not only see at that time we made it that Cyber Monday, and then the following. Tax sale that following March, we made another million dollars in, I think it was 60 minutes. And then that following Cyber Money, we made another 1.3 in 60 minutes. So it started becoming a regular feat. And I'm like, you know, this is some unusual stuff that we're doing. So let's not get used to it. But it was gratifying. After back-to-back multi-million dollar Cyber Monday launches, the Crayon Case's explosive growth and market share was undeniable. But just as the business achieved maturity, the COVID-19 pandemic hit and brought the world to a halt. Once COVID hit, people just like, yeah, I'm just gonna take on unemployment and take the loans and I'm not gonna come back to work. And I understood I would've done the same thing if I was an employee, right? The most employees I had was probably 19 and that was, that's a lot to pay 19 people every week. Now I think we have five. 
as COVID was passing by, I kept it in mind too. All right, I don't need all these employees. All these employees is not needed. These employees is here right now. They've been getting the job done for the whole COVID period. So I'm just gonna keep these employees and get them raises and be fine with them. I learned that and I cut back on payroll. I cut back on a lot of things and I started seeing what my money was going after that. But a bright spot emerged during the pandemic. A feature on Oprah's favorite things propelled the crayon case even further, putting the national brand on a global stage. However, it also brought some unwanted attention in the form of a cease and desist from Crayola. The iconic crayon maker claimed that Supa had infringed on their copyright. Supa quickly and amicably settled the matter, adjusting her branding and marks and making sure to tread more lightly in the future. We have issues with Crayola as far as they say we infringed on their trademark. I actually learned some things from that, and then later on they infringed upon our trademark. And that early experience with us infringing on theirs prepared me to defend us against them. We had another situation with Sephora where they didn't infringe on our trademark, but they infringed on our trade dress. So those things prepared me for anything that came my way as far as that's concerned, as people trying to attack our style and do things the way we do it. It won't stop them, it won't stop people, because that's a compliment I see is if people try to emulate what you're doing, it's a compliment to your success. As other companies started to release similar products, and the brand grappled with growing up with their consumers while still appealing to younger, newer ones, Super and the team pushed themselves to keep innovating. She also started to hone in on a new release strategy that would continue to differentiate the crayon case in the market. But I do constantly learn and evolve with the time. If you don't evolve with the time, you will get stuck and possibly fail. You have to understand when we started, it was six years ago. Those people that were enamored with us at that age are six years older. They have different interests. As they grow and have different interests, we have to evolve with them to make sure that we keep them and keep their palette interested in our brand. And then we also have to see those that's coming behind them. Their interest is going to be different from theirs, but we have to make ourselves attractive to their palette. So you're constantly evolving as a business to stay relevant in every realm and in every demographic so you can survive because the younger demographic has more disposable income, the older demographic has a larger income that may not be as disposable, but you still want to be able to be attractive enough to them to where they have extra or they have something to spend, they want to spend it with you. Well, you know, of course, they pay attention to other cosmetic brands, but I noticed I started paying attention to and I didn't think I would is how long it takes you to drop something new, right? Because I never had a strategy for dropping stuff. I had an idea, I tell my supplier, I tell my graphic designer, it get made, then I just wait for it, right? But I never had a strategic way of dropping new product. So I started watching other brands. I started watching the most popular brands do that. I'm like, okay, well, they come out with a product damn near every three months. Now I ain't doing that. Because then when you come out with a product so much, so fast, it kind of dropped away from the last product that you dropped, right? That's like an artist dropping a CD, then drop another one. Like, but I didn't even get to enjoy the first CD yet, you know? That's what I had to learn. So I'm like, okay, y'all dropping a lot of products, but that don't mean I know how you do in the business, too. But then I found a brand that dropped literally once a year. I'm like, okay, that make more sense for me. Because that product will be talked about for a long time. Once the YouTube videos get made, when they start doing the reviews, once the reel started coming out, they had so much time to love and fall in love with the product. Soon a huge opportunity presented itself when Walmart asked to carry the line. The IRL visibility and large upfront order appeared to be very enticing. However, Super would soon learn how selling wholesale would challenge her margins and supply chain 
as well as the expectation that she would shoulder the marketing costs within their marketplace. Once I stepped into stores, a lot of things changed. I felt like that was a bad move and I should have waited probably like a few more years because I didn't realize me going into Walmart, I have to stock Walmart and I have to stock my warehouse, right? And I don't think I was too ready for that because Walmart was is very needy, very needy. Like if they need 10,000 pallets on Thursday and they may need 10,000 pallets next Thursday too, and the production time take at least 40 days, right? So I'm like, okay, so I gotta keep up with Walmart inventory and mines. And I don't think I was ready for that. The Walmart deal didn't go the way Super expected it. And she realized that she still had much to learn. It just don't make sense. Especially if you're doing so well on e-commerce. It don't make sense to go into a store. The stores need us more than we need them. I want the current case to be way, way bigger than Instagram, way bigger than Facebook, way bigger than Twitter. I want it to be seen by people who not even on social media. So the official current case is pulling things out the stores. It don't make sense. When you go in the store, you got to do all the marketing. So they're not helping you with marketing at all. Got to pay for everything you want in there. Like if I sell wipes and I want my wife next to Neutrogena, I got to pay for that. You know, so everything is very costly. It costs so much to upkeep. The best thing would have been Ulta, you know, which is a makeup store. People go in there for makeup. Walmart, people don't really be thinking about cosmetics. You know, they go in there for some tissue a little peroxide, you know, like maybe a little charger and that's it, you know. It's not really them going in there like, let me get some makeup out Walmart. The best move probably would have been also, even though it would have been the same problem, but at least it would have been an altar because they're actually going in there for makeup, right? I just want Crown Case to be like Maybelline, to be like Revlon, just to be like the makeup brands that have been around for years and they made the impact in cosmetic world. I want the Crown Case to be the same. As the Crayon Case looks to the future, the team is hyper-focused on learning more about the business, continuing to innovate their product line, and also giving back to their community. I still need to learn about business funding. You know, I need to learn about, oh, is that a great move for business? Is that needed? I'm thinking about actually taking classes for it to find out about business funding. I just want to know if it's the right move to take because I don't want to have to have a bad year in business and then I just get flushed out, you know? so. I'm trying to learn it. Near future is to offer our new nude lines. We're known for colors and not being afraid to color outside the lines. But we also, like I just said, know that our demographic is getting older. They're going to work. They're in their careers now, so they can't wear blue eyeliner and blue lipstick. So we have to offer and meet them with their So we're going to offer a new collection starting this fall, as well as we're starting an HBCU collection to pay homage to the HBCUs and give the students but just to feel that we support them and that we're meeting them where they are. We are trying to reach a different audience. So everything that we have right now is very colorful. So we're going to be dropping a nude collection that will cater to different makeup artists. A lot of makeup artists do makeup for weddings and things like that. And then we think that they're maybe scared to purchase, you know, a big box of crayons and things that are colorful. So we're catering to the everyday woman or guy. So that's our goal, to get a new audience. People are scared. They're saying like, oh, my skin is mature, so I can't really wear that product. So we're catering to them. We take polls on Instagram to see what they want, as well as Facebook, and we listen to our audience and we get the job done. Having been through the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, Russell and Super are happy to reflect on their own experiences and share advice for young creatives looking to start their own businesses. 
My advice would be to trust yourself, block out all that outside chatter, and you're going to get so much of it. Some of it's going to be good, some of it you have to really stay grounded. You're going to have some failures across the roads. You're going to have some tribulations. Do not let that discourage you. Let that strengthen you and, and keep going. Keep pushing and learn as much as you can. Learn as much as you can and don't take no class. But I think it's very important to learn as much as you can about entrepreneurship. Pay attention to the price points. Pay attention to all type of things that you didn't think was important in business. So if I would have took business classes and, and I would have went to school or maybe if I would have just paid attention more working entrepreneurship, I probably would have flourished way more in business. I just learned a lot from trial and error. The Crown Case was not my first business. I had many businesses before the Crown Case and it failed tremendously. So you still got to keep working. You still got to do more. You still got to right your wrongs and find out what you can do better. And, and that's what I had to do as well. So I feel like people rush into entrepreneurship for the money and not for the passion. I feel like the Crown Case was my biggest passion. I, I had a lot of business, but I know the Crown Case was my passion. The Crunkies was the easy marketing for me because I actually get up and do my own makeup. You know, I actually fall in love with product. If it's not a passion for you, it's not going to work. Because when it's a passion for you, you spend so much time on it. Everything is on YouTube. And that's what I mean by researching. Take a few months out before you actually put all your money into it and learn this first so you can know what's going to happen. I think if I would have done that first, oh man, I'd be like Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Humility aside, within the conversation of self-made entrepreneurs, Supa is certainly a GOAT contender. Her magnetic persona and willingness to put herself out there has engendered a cult-like following, with fans not just interested in her personality, but invested in her success. By giving her audience a front row seat to the minutia of her everyday life, she's inspired them to see her as a relatable human being, not just as a transactional marketer. And when the Crayon Case launched and Supa delivered a high-quality product, to an underserved audience, her fans were eager to open up their wallets and support. With the addition of Russell to help legitimize and organize the business, along with Iona's innovative approach to merchandising, Super managed to put all the right pieces in place. And now, together, they've made the Crayon Case a global brand by maintaining their authenticity and always coloring outside the lines. For Idea Generation, I'm Noah callahan Bever. Thanks for listening to the All Angles Podcast, presented by Will Packer Media. If you've enjoyed this episode, please don't hesitate to like, comment, DM, or tell a friend to tell a friend about Idea Generation and the All Angles Podcast. We can't do any of this without your help, and honestly, your support means everything. We do this for you, and we can't do it without you. This episode was brought to you by Will Packer. Executive produced by John Balachek and Helena Ox. Original music by Valentin Fritz. Edit and sound mix by Nonsensible Production. And hosted by me, Idea Generation founder, Noah callahan Bever. Idea Generation's All Angles is a Will Packer Media podcast. It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wooden! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.